This is Maurice Jones-Drew, and you're listening to the What's Brewing Show. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for West Coast Bias. The show brought to you all the way from the best coast. It's the West Coast Bias, that is. Aw, yeah. Welcome to another episode of West Coast Bias. Uh, I am your host, doing a solo show today, Jamal Artis. Um, at Champs Papa 1015 on Twitter. That's where you'll see me ranting and raving about all sorts of things, um, including sports, including West Coast Bias, where Jake and I discuss all things LA sports. And of course, that usually means mostly Dodgers, mostly Lakers, the occasional NFL news, and NHL news. Um, West Coast Bias is part of the What's Brewing Network, where you can find all sorts of great shows on one great network i encourage you to go listen to um us on uh, that would be when i say us i would say jake myself um the original ogs of the what's brewing show now what's brewing symposium uh, mike regalato and our uh always punctual uh host uh bill shirley um you can also uh listen to um the uh what was it the bare minimum um where jake um and his daughter uh, Megan discuss uh, all things Cal as she goes through her Cal career. Go Bears! I, as a Cal alum, endorse that show. So, enough about those. Our great network, and of course, you can find us on Twitter. Um, our subscribers, our uh, Patreon subscribers, uh, just for two dollars, you can subscribe to the network and get all these great shows. Jake, um, in recent weeks, has discussed putting um, West Coast Bias on a separate feed. So. Please go ahead and support us once that um, moves over to a separate feed. And also, um, <clears throat> with the summer season coming up and silly season of NBA basketball, the doldrums of um, the dog days of summer for baseball, uh, expect to see a lot more uh, writing from me on the uh, West Coast Bias Substack, um, where, of course, I can discuss anything, but it'll probably be um, elaborating on the topics that we talk about on West Coast Bias. And other things that I think will be of interest to our our, our loyal listeners, um, and you know my mom. <laughs> so uh, enough about that. Uh, wanted to start off right away with just what's been going on uh, in the news last night. The whenever you listen to this, but uh, for me it was last night. The Denver Nuggets defeated the Miami Heat in the NBA Finals. Uh, four games to one, they clinched at home at Ball Arena in Denver. First title for the Denver Nuggets in their franchise history. Um, when uh, Commissioner Adam Silver said that uh, the Nuggets had waited 47 years for a title, uh, I was a little bit miffed because it hasn't been 47 years. Actually, it's been 56 years. And you say, well, how can they get the math wrong? Well, it's the NBA, and they like to pretend like other leagues didn't exist, uh, even though they did, and we have... Historical record of that. The Denver Nuggets actually can trace themselves to the Denver Rockets. Yeah, there was a other Rockets team before Houston. Um, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, going back, actually an original franchise from the ABA, they changed their name to the Nuggets and then were included uh, in the merger. You can't see me, but those are quotes. Air quotes I threw out there because it really wasn't more of a merger but a pillaging. Um, but enough about that. Yeah, so Denver entered the NBA in 1976-77 season along with the Spurs, the Pacers, and um, the Nets. Um, so no, it wasn't 47 years that they had to... There's 47 years to wait for an a NBA championship, but 56 years to w wait for any type of uh, championship. In fact, Denver, the closest they got to winning an ABA championship was the year before the merger, or the season before the merger, I should say. Um, they were in the last ABA Finals against Dr. J and his uh, New York Nets. They weren't even the New Jersey Nets back then, uh, losing in six games um, and closing out ABA history. Um, but um, coming back to modern times, congratulations to Denver. Uh, of course, Jake and I talked about it. They went through the Lakers in order to get there. They swept them in the Western Conference Finals. Boo. Um, to get to this point, and were able to win the NBA championship for the first time in uh, their franchise history. Nikola Jokic was named the NBA Finals MVP. If you go to my Twitter, you saw I threw out a bunch of sort of uh, 
facts and figures that I like to call trivia about um, about uh, the Nuggets winning a championship, Miami losing. Um, Denver itself went, uh, getting to celebrate another championship. Of course, last year the Colorado Avalanche won uh, the Stanley Cup. Uh, and this year um, uh, Denver wins in the same arena. Uh, their championship in the NBA. Uh, a little L.A. sports sort of connection. The owner of the Denver Nuggets, uh, Stan Kroenke, um, who lifted the trophy first um, last night, actually, this is his third championship um, that he's celebrating in the last two years. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, the Avalanche won uh, last year uh, the Stanley Cup. Um uh, Stan Kroenke is part of the ownership group f- of, of the Avalanche. Um, I think it's called Kroenke uh, Sports Limited or something like that that uh, has the franchise, both franchises that play in the arena, the Avalanche and the Nuggets. So uh, second summary is lifting the trophy. And at the beginning of last year, and this is where it's tied to LA Sports, uh, Stan Kroenke is the principal owner uh, and the reason that the Los Angeles Rams are in Los Angeles again, and the fact that SoFi Stadium exists, uh, he lifted the so- Super Bowl trophy as the owner of the Rams uh, at the beginning of last year um, in hi- the stadium that he built, SoFi Stadium. Um, so yeah, that's a big trifecta for him winning a Super Bowl uh, and the uh, winter to spring sports, uh, hockey and uh, basketball titles all within a span of i guess what is that uh, a year and six months so you know 18 months it's it's pretty uh amazing for an owner to uh be able to do that so that's a little tangential connection to uh, la sports um in regards to Nikola Jokic, he's the first serbian uh to win a uh the nba finals mvp he had a great run um uh, historically, I think he was also the Magic Johnson MVP winner, of the uh, MVP of the Western Conference Finals. Um, just amazing ball player. Um, whether it's his passing, it's his ability to shoot outside shots, three pointers, uh, just makes his team great. Um, but I wanted to dispute something, and I think it's just a, a thing in sports these days, especially when you have so many people trying to, um, trying to get their clicks in or get their eyeballs on, on themselves, um, in the media and bloggers. And, you know, I count myself as a blogger. I do cover, uh, one of the niche sports and professional sports in the United States, but, um, still I'd like people to see my content. I throw stuff out there. I understand. But this thing where Nikola Jokic, who I, again, love. I think he's the best player in the NBA right now. How can he not be? He just won two MVPs in a row as a regular season MVP. He had already taken uh, the Nuggets to Western Conference Final in 2020, where they lost to the Lakers. And they had um, uh, pulled off uh, historic 3-1 comebacks in the first round against Utah Jazz and against the Clippers to get there. And he was a big part of that. I mean, his resume uh, over this, these last four years have have just, have just been awesome. Um, but people were already elevating him into this pantheon of greatness that uh, most people think he deserves. And I think he deserves to be um, credited with being a great player for these days, modern times in this NBA. But it's so, it's so funny how quickly they want to elevate these guys. I saw somebody, uh, I think it was Bleacher Nation, put out this graphic and said that he, he was already among the top five all-time NBA centers. And I just was like, what? Come on. Um, and that's not to denigrate what he's done. I just rattled off a bunch of things um, that he's accomplished in, in just these last four years, which, yeah, would make you think he's one of the greatest players of all time. But at the same time, all time means, well, can't we see this stuff at the end of his career? Can't we just wait a little bit? Can't we sort of let this breathe? Or, or you know, just the fact that he just won a championship should be enough to, uh, um, you know, allow us to uh, ruminate or allow us to enjoy what he just did over these last... I mean, they they won the title by going, I think, 16-4. and four, You know, so in 20 games, he did a lot of great things um, in order for his team to win a title. And he very much deserves all the praise he should get for this run for now, but to automatically just put him into this level of greatness that I just don't think is fair to him, one, 
because now you're going to have people questioning whether that's true or not, like myself. Not that anybody listens to me, but there are people that in the NBA media that get listened to, they're already questioning that. Uh, and, of course, half the people are yelling at them, and there's another half that are, that are saying that uh, that's a fair assessment, that he has to be an all-time great center. Um, you know, and I just think that if you're just thinking about all the greats of the NBA who've played center, which, frankly, the center position has been such a dominant uh, part of the NBA throughout its history that I think we're at a point now where that's fallen a little bit to the wayside. Um, but I don't know how you can put him in that category when there are other centers who've done as much as he did um, in terms of individual accomplishments, whether it's MVPs, uh, finals, MVPs, championships, at or above that level that would be, in my opinion, considered in front of him. I mean, you can just talk about guys like Kareem, Will Chamberlain, Bill Russell, um, Moses Malone, um, you know, one of his contemporaries, Giannis, has done the exact same thing as he has. Um, and, and yet we're not pushing him to the pantheon. Um, uh, there's somebody I'm forgetting, Will, uh, you know, oh, Hakeem, um, Olajuwon, and there's also other guys who've had some individual accomplishments. Some might say that, um, you know, th they're not in the same category, but why not? I mean, Willis Reed is still the only Nick to ever hold an NBA championship trophy playing center and winning the MVP and being a finals MVP. I mean, why uh, he just passed away this year. Why isn't he, um, at the forefront of this position? Or, you know, you talk about guys like, uh, um, even way back before I'm a great Laker, George Mikan, um, I know some people are going to say, well, it wasn't the same type of league. And that's true. That's why I don't, that's the other reason I don't like these comparisons where people get hitched to this all time thing where it's like, well, it's a little unfair. Yes. The league was different. It was in a fully integrated league at times during uh, Mikan's career, or certainly not within the kind of practical rules of basketball. You know, uh, teams had these kind of like racist rules, of uh, only one black player on the roster in that kind of situation. But anyway, um, you know, a different type of game, but why why do we denigrate or why do we not recognize his accomplishments? I mean, it was a game of basketball. He played it. It might have been a different game than what we know, but he won five championships. He actually won six championships because um, the Lakers won a title before they were part of whatever you want to call the NBA, the BAA. Um and he did it while setting all sorts of records for the time, and they had to change rules um, because he was so dominant. You know, those guys get dismissed, especially now with these the way people have an eye for the modern NBA versus what it used to look like. I'm just saying, I don't have a problem with um, respecting and elevating Jokic for having a great season, having a great run uh, in these playoffs. Um, I just have a problem with us having to automatically push him into this pantheon when his career is not fully f finished. It's not, it's not over. I don't want his career to be over, of course. Um, but we don't know what's going to happen in 10 years, how far along he's, he will have been to some of these other guys that I've mentioned in terms of their greatness. Uh, and then let's also not lose the fact that there were greats that came before him and they deserve to be uh, firmly placed in the conversation. Um, and just because they don't shoot threes or just because it's a different game, um, they don't deserve to be displaced um, by someone in the modern times. And that goes for any of the positions, really. I mean, um, I'm not a Celtic fan at all, obviously. I root for the Lakers. But, I mean, the way some guys just get thrown out of these top 10s and top 25 so fast, um, you know, one of the most, uh, one of the greatest players before I was born was John Hav Havlicek. And... You never hear him mentioned. And when he retired, I think it was second to Wilton points. Um, I'm sure he was up there in assists and rebounds and things like that. He had played on many championship teams. Uh, probably, you know, and that's a funny thing. Um, one NBA Finals MVP to his name. Well, that's because when he was winning championships in the 60s with the Celtics, there was no NBA Final MVP. You know, some of these arbitrary things that we bring up, um, you know, these uh, posts, career milestones and posts, especially when it comes to individual awards. Some of them didn't even exist. Some of them, I don't even know why we count them. A lot of people, I love Kobe Bryant. A lot of people want to point out that he was a four-time All-Star Game MVP. And I'm like, so what? 
<laughs> it's the Oscar game. They don't play defense. Or, or I should say they sure as hell didn't play defense in the time that Kobe Bryant was winning MVPs in those games. And it's just it's just dumb. It's, a, it's an arbitrary exhibition game um, that I don't even count. Like when people say all-star appearances, it's like, no, nah, no. Uh, <laughs> all-star appearances, you know, I think... Before the league had a rule, I'm not sure now, but the, the league had a rule that every team had to have one representative. So, uh, you know, if if you're, it's it's a glorified exhibition game. I don't think those should count. The voting is stupid. It's always been stupid. There's been ballot boxes that get stuffed and things like that. And that's in all the uh, All Star Game uh, stuff, like in baseball, the same thing. Um, you know, give me All NBA guys, guys who were voted to the All NBA, things like that. Um, as a real barometer for greatness and um and yeah and, the, and again i'm not denigrating what uh nikola jokic did what joker did last night and throughout these this postseason or in his career i would just like and i know i'm asking a lot <laughs> in this modern day when it comes to covering sports i would just like for there to be a real rec- recognition of those that came before him before you start tossing their accomplishments out based on these arbitrary facts that you come up with. And two, letting him have a full career. I mean, last night it looked like he wouldn't even want to be, well, uh, and that's a joke. You know, he's not exactly the most, um, what's the word? Uh, he wasn't exactly showing off that he was uh, um, super excited. And this is post game. Obviously, when he got to lift, I don't even think I saw him lift the trophy. But, he, you know, they gave him the MVP, and he sits it down real quick, and he's sort of like, he deflects the, you know, whenever whenever anybody says he's great, he deflects that and just, you know, he's just happy to be uh, playing that uh, playing the sport that he loves, and, and he wants to just go home and, and, um, and be with his horses and things like that, which is awesome. You know, it's awesome that he has that kind of perspective. Um, you know, obviously he loves his family. His brothers were there. His wife and his daughter were there, and he was more, he was, he was happier embracing them and all the things um uh, surrounding that then it was counting trophies and things like that um and so i wish we had that similar approach to just kind of like let this marinate let us uh enjoy the moment and then later on when he's decided that he's he's moved on from the sport and he doesn't want to play it anymore then we can look back and see uh where he fits into the greatness of the history of the nba um, and that's an, uh, about enough of what I'll say about that. But, all, you know, congratulations to Nuggets fans, especially long-suffering ones. I'm sure there are plenty out there who want to see their team win a championship. I would have liked to have seen my Lakers win another title, but, you know, it's no no big deal uh, watching, um, you know, the Nuggets, to me, um, watching them win a championship. And I hope Mike Malone ha- was happy. I guess um, today everybody talked about his nuggets, and they'll talk about him up into the parade. I hope he's happy about that. Boy, I've never seen anybody be more miserable being a coach than uh, Mike Malone. Must have been all those years uh, being in Sacramento and having to deal with Vivek and and uh, that uh, mess before they figured it out. So maybe that's why he's so bitter um, and bitter about the Lakers for some reason. You know, sorry, Mike. You know, when it comes to what moves the needle, no, the Denver Nuggets don't. That's fine. And if people don't report on that that's not a reflection on your team that's just the stupid way that the nba is covered but um i hope you're happy now that you finally won the championship and thank you for listening um in regards to the lakers um now that it's my actually the season's over thank god i think the draft is on the 23rd the lakers do have a first round draft pick 20 uh number 17 draft pick that could have gone to the saints uh, the saints the pelicans um, well, it might as well beat the Saints. They're run by the same people. But anyway, um, uh, so it didn't go to them. They keep it. It's interesting um, rumors about whether they should use it in a sign and trade for this guy and that guy. Um, I saw that because Chris Paul was waived by the Suns, and it's likely that they aren't looking to circumvent the um, the uh, the new uh cba the collective bargaining agreement between the players association and the league that they're not trying to circumvent that or going to figure out a way to bring them back at a lower price to give them some salary cap relief it looks like they are moving on from the chris paul era um that the lakers should give uh, should do a sign and trade um send d to the suns 
and and sweeten it by adding a draft pick to get Chris Paul. I think that's the stupidest thing anybody can do. Um, for one, um, D'Lo could be signed for less than what Chris Paul makes or what he wants to make. Um, he's going to be coming off this huge deal. Um, he's not going to want to just be paid like eight and nine million dollars, take a mid-level exception or whatever at that rate, just just to you know chase the championship and. If I was him, I don't know if I would look at the Lakers and be like, that's what I want to chase the championship with, but that's just me. Um, and certainly having to sweeten the deal of giving up your first-round pick that you only got to keep because the trade deadline saved your butt is even stupider. But, you know, as the Lakers, um, they're, it's hard to know what their brain trust is going to do sometimes. The most obvious basketball choices are there, and they don't do them. And then sometimes they pull out stuff like getting Rui Hachimura for Kendrick Nunn and, and, you know, turning a lump of coal into a diamond. Um, so I, I for one, am not for that. And why even do a sign-and-trade? They're waving them. They're not resigning them. Um, there is a period where they can do a sign-and-trade. But if they, if they just wait things out, maybe the Lakers can just get Chris Paul for free. Um, I don't know if he adds anything to the Lakers, and you're probably wondering why wouldn't Chris Paul add anything to the Lakers? Um, well, for one, he's in his late 30s. Was he 36, 37? He's had a ton of NBA miles on him. Um, he was hurt for a lot of last year, and that kind of hurt the Suns and forced them into giving up their depth for um, Kevin Durant. In the postseason, he was hurt. Um, and really didn't do much uh, here and there. Um, you know, last year he was hurt, and that hurt the the Suns. That's why they got blown out by the Mavs. Um, there, there's just a lot there that I'm like, why would you want Chris Paul on your team? If you're expecting him to be an important piece like the Suns have been uh, using him these last few years, that feels like a red flag, something that, um, you know, that we... <laughs> That, uh, you know, it's just another kind of Russell Westbrook move. Um, no, you're not giving up a ton for him. If you can just sign him on a free waiver and just give him a certain amount of uh, dollar amount, but it just doesn't feel like it's going to be a good thing. And, again, with this Lakers brain trust, maybe it's Jeannie making up for the fact that her idiot brother and Mitch Kupchak royally effed the trade back in 2011 when they could have had him gotten some cap relief, um, and remade the Lakers with Kobe. Uh, it, was, it would have been Kobe Gasol and um, and uh, Chris Paul. Uh, but, you know, I, I don't know. I don't know that they're going to do something there. I know a lot of Laker fans were excited when they or interested when they heard that um, Chris Paul was waived. And, and frankly, I mean, Chris Paul has to want to come to the Lakers. Who knows? He did live in L.A. for a while because he was with the Clippers. Um, uh, post uh, his New Orleans Hornets or Pelicans, I don't remember what they were when he was there, I think they were the Hornets uh, move um, certainly out of the debacle that was the basketball reasons uh, trade that blew up in the Lakers face um, so that being said I, you know, it's going to be the off season. there's a lot of things that can happen uh, like I said, the draft is on the 23rd what is that, that's 10 days away um, from when I'm recording this podcast. So it, it'll be interesting to see where all that fits in. I don't know who they should get with the 17th draft pick. From what I, I'm not a draft pick expert, not a college expert anymore. It's just too hard to keep up. These guys don't stick around long enough. Um, 17, uh, it's not a bad place to be picking for a team that um, went to the Western Conference Finals. Um, the Lakers draft choices these last few years you you cannot um you you can't i want to say it's been a, a mixed bag um because of what they've been able to do with their picks i mean if you're talking about when they were picking uh in the lottery every year those guys develop but it feels like they developed after they left the lakers um what's his name um you know lonzo ball uh, looks like that's going to be a big bust uh, for a number two pick, partially because of injuries um, and partially about who was around when he got picked. I mean, Jason Tatum went third. I know Markel Fultz went first. Um, or no, I'm sorry, maybe it was uh, De'Aaron Fox. I can't remember who the first round 
first pick was, but you know, J- you know, Jason Tatum uh, obviously is way better than uh, Lonzo Ball's career might be over because of injury, and the Lakers, you know, could have had Jason Tatum, although they might have had to trade him in that Anthony Davis situation uh, trade, uh, just like the Lakers traded Lonzo Ball. Um, you know, but the the Lakers also got guys like Kyle Kuzma in the late first round. Um, and he was part of the championship team. They got Caruso. I can't remember if Caruso was undrafted or late second round pick, but guys like that, Jordan Clarkson, um, going back even a few years before then was the second round pick, uh, shot up to, um, all rookie, uh, second team in his first year and has been a serviceable NBA player, which is not something you get a lot, especially when you're picking late in the second round. Uh, all this to say is the Lakers have made some good draft picks. Um, they've developed them pretty well. Um, but it'll be interesting to see um, if they hold on to this one or if they draft somebody uh, and then trade the rights for uh, a component to make them a, a title contender next year. Um, so, you know, and then after that, it's well, what are they going to do with their cap space and, and uh, free agent potentials? Um feels like the Lakers were a little young um, last year, which is funny because one of the things um, with the Nuggets that people are saying is they might be a dynasty. And again, that word gets thrown out a lot, but maybe they're going to be title contenders for a while because they're so young. Um, everybody's under the age of 28, except for uh, Contavious Caldwell Pope, KCP, former Lakers champion. Shout out to him winning his second ring. Um, very instrumental in uh, getting the Nuggets uh, their first NBA title. So um, the Lakers were also a very young team. In fact, the only but only person over the age of thirty was LeBron. Um, last uh, on this team that made the run. Now Anthony Davis is going to turn thirty this year, um, so that's a little deceptive. But still, it's a fairly young team. Um, they might need some veteran presence on their team uh, just to sort of make them. I just think a a little bit better. It'd be nice if they actually had a service, serviceable veteran on the team. Maybe that's why fans are excited about Chris Paul's situation, but it'd be nice if they can get a veteran on their team. You always need one of those guys, a, a guy who's played a lot, really hungry if they haven't won a title, or it's been a long time since they won a title, um, and is sort of one of those guys who can be a leader in the locker room. Um, despite the fact that LeBron and Anthony Davis have been together, um, for a while here together. Um, and they're both, I think they're both in that leadership role, probably LeBron more than anything. Um, but I think the Lakers do sort of need a veteran presence who can also be there mentoring guys, helping guys out, you know, cause you never know. I mean, the Lakers could go on a run next year, um, in terms of, uh, being one of the better teams in the, uh, in the NBA, um, but flame out in the postseason because again these guys are just fairly young and the lights get bright when you're in the postseason and um, despite everything that they did this year um doesn't guarantee that they'll do it again next year um so it'll be interesting to see who's available i i haven't looked at free agents and moves that can be made but it, it'll be interesting to see if the lakers kind of go in that direction get a few more guys i mean think about it the 2020 nba championship doesn't happen without rajon rondo um, being among those guys um, who uh, who had won a title before, won another title, and he was amazing in um, in the NBA Finals for you know for someone his age, for someone um, in a basketball standpoint, in terms of helping the team. I mean, you could argue that he might have been the third best player in the finals for 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 the Lakers that year, and one of the and surely one of the reasons they won the title. Um, so, and there was guys like Danny Green who had already won a couple titles, who, who was on the team. Um, so there was a, a veteran presence on that championship team that I think the Lakers were lacking this year for sure. Um, and if you can get those guys to help you, um, mentor young guys on the team and sort of have a championship pedigree, um, then there's a chance that you can make another run and perhaps win a championship next year. Um, so enough about the Lakers for now. Of course, Jake and I will be discussing everything that's involved in the silly season that is the NBA offseason. It, it it should be fun. There's going to be a lot of teams making a lot of decisions um, based on what happened this past year. I mean, we've already seen the coaching carousel kind of get crazy. Um, championship coaches fired from their teams that they won a title already. So Mike Malone, you're on, uh, you're on the clock. So uh, you better hope you guys win some more. 
Because uh, these NBA uh, GMs and owners, these billionaires, they don't they don't really give a crap uh, about feelings and old titles. They are very much like Janet said. You know, what have you done for me lately? So Mike Malone, better crack a smile. I mean, you could be on the chopping block even next year if something happens. So uh, one other thing I'll say about the NBA championship win. And I tweeted out this morning, and Jake's not going to like it, but that's fine. I said uh, there was a, a note about the um, Ottawa Senators NHL team being sold for a billion dollars. This is one of the franchises has one of the smallest markets in the league, um, has struggled in terms of putting out a consistent winner. After having a, a relatively good period, but their old owner was kind of a jackass. Um, <clears throat> and uh, And sort of tanked the franchise with uh, his pernicious ways. Uh, in, a, in, a, in any case, um, that franchise sold for a billion dollars. And I'm thinking to myself, Johnny, Janie, Jesse, Joey, whoever, I don't care who, in the bus family, why are you still holding on to the Lakers? Look at the league. Look at who's winning titles. Look at who's consistent. It's billionaires. Billionaire owners investing gobs of money in facilities, uh, analytics, uh, you know, brain trusts. I mean, it's just the Clippers keep uh, losing front office personnel. And you're probably saying, well, the Clippers haven't won jack crap. No, but they're at least are consistent in in uh, being around and then fumbling it away. But at least they're consistent. I mean, they got guys that come in and out and, and get – they give – they're giving up to other teams. They're not giving up, but I mean, they're going to other teams and building those franchises, front offices, and things like that. And the Lakers, it's like it's four people basically. They've said it many times. It's Rob Pelinka, it's Kurt Rambis and his wife and Jeannie, and then Joey and Jesse Buss in the scouting development area, and that's kind of it. And it just seems it's just so disheartening. And I know I've discussed this a bunch of times, but it's like you can't run an NBA franchise. You can't run any. Major League franchise, and I'm talking about the four Major League, uh, you know, MLS and WNBA, totally different. You can't, and and even then, you know, LAFC has a ton of people that they have, you know, looking at analytics, scouting, um, procuring people for just the MLS. That it puts the Lakers to shame. Now, mind you, I don't know that the Lakers have these gigantic front offices. I don't know that there's other people. I mean. But all I know is what's been said in public. I mean, sometimes Phil Jackson is still talking about, um, is still spoken about as somebody who consults with Jeannie on the basketball side. This is a guy who two weeks ago admitted he doesn't even watch the NBA because he doesn't like the fact that it's become too political. And it's like, well, then why the hell are you advising the Lakers? You know, they still talk to Magic about moves and things. And it's like, oh my God, why? As much as I love Magic Johnson and I consider him the GOAT, I don't want him anywhere near, especially the way he exited uh, as president of basketball operations. I don't want him anywhere near basketball decision-making. Be there for the big fun parties and the commemorations and stuff, but don't be there for basketball, um, you know, personnel moves or any of that stuff. It's 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 so disheartening as a Laker fan. I'm sorry. It's, you know, if Janie Buss wants to own the team, fine. And she wants her family to be involved. That's fine. But why not hire basketball people and get a real modern office running rather than continue to do what you've always done and just have these sort of this mishmash of people who publicly have been noted to be part of the brain trust? You can't trust that. I mean, one of the reasons the Lakers were in such such a spot this year in terms of their roster was because of dumb moves they made post winning a championship and some of those things couldn't be helped uh, i th- really think the nba screwed the lakers when it came to their post uh championship in 2020 and 2021 with you know scheduling things early to maximize the amount of money when you know the season ended october what 13th and they were already ready to play right at christmas again it's just you know they did a lot the nba did some things that really screwed the lakers there but um, but at the same time, the Lakers shot themselves in the foot with a lot of personnel moves and their decision-making, and some of it comes from a money aspect. And, and if money is an issue, then you shouldn't own the team. If you can't run the team the way it should be run, and I'm sorry, but I do think it should be run a different way, um, then I don't know. But, yeah, okay, I promise. That's the last of the Lakers stuff. Um, moving on, the Dodgers are having a hard time here. I think they've won, they've only won 10 of their last... 22 games or 10 and 12 they've slipped out of first place they're only three and a half back of first place um 
they fit um behind the Diamondbacks were surprising everybody. Um being in first place, a whopping nine games ahead of the Padres, three and a half games ahead of the Dodgers. Um it, it it's still early in the season. I mean it's barely June. Um I still think the Lakers uh, the Dodgers will uh make the postseason. I've said all year they only have to win eighty eight games. They've already won thirty seven, that's a ninety four game pace. Even if they don't win the division, they're gonna be one of those teams in the in the play in rounds. Um, but at the same time, it's uh, one of the reasons that they're not doing as well as they have in the past is because they're pitching. Their pitching and their bullpen uh, have just been atrocious. This is if the season ended now. I saw some some uh, blurb that said the if the season ended now, the collective ERA of the Dodger pitching staff, which is like four point two nine, would be their worst ERA since two thousand one, and that was in the middle of the steroid era. When you know teams were cranking out um, home runs on practically every pitch, it, it's just, it's a little scary um, that uh, that's obviously not sustainable. Part of that is the fact that they've lost a lot of guys to injury. Walker Bueller um, out of the rotation since last year because of um, Tommy John surgery. Uh, he's probably not going to make an appearance this year unless by some miracle um, he pops up. But will he be effective? Um, they got Dustin May back from Tommy John surgery last year, um, and this year he's got elbow pain and is going to be out, they said, at least two months without touching a baseball, which means that's not even rehabbing. I mean, he's he won't be able to pick. He's not allowed to pick up a baseball for at least two months since his injury, which would have put him, I'm talking August. There's no guarantee he'll be in for the postseason. Uh, Julio Rios has some sort of hamstring or... Um, ankle um, issue, and that looks like he got reevaluated after being on the on the um, injured list for fifteen for fifteen days, and now they're looking at maybe a month, another month of him on the shelf. I mean, effectively out of their rotation, the only starter that they still have that began the season is um, Clayton Kershaw and Noah Syndergaard. Problem is Noah Syndergaard's ERA is like nine. Um, he's won one game and he's given up like a home run, uh, in like his last five starts or something, some, something ridiculous. Kershaw is pitching well. Um, but Syndergaard has been atrocious and a terrible pickup. And boy, if, if I had a cannon, I mean, I'd ship, I'd send him into the Pacific ocean. That's how bad he's been. Um, so that's one of the reasons their ERA has been so bad this year. And then the bullpen has just been terrible. They have two effective relievers. One of them's Shelby Miller that they picked up off the scrap heap, and the other one's Evan Phillips, who should be their closer, but the Dodgers have decided that they're going to be closerless. And so when they bring in Evan Phillips, he's effective, and he puts out a fire. Well, you still need somebody to close the game, and everybody they've tried out to close games in his place has just blown it. I mean, they've just been terrible. The Dodgers got walked off three times last week, um, twice against, I believe it was twice against the Reds, and once against the Phillies, and it was just poor pitching. Um, early early pitching, uh, early run support, and then the pitchers give, starters gave it all back. Now you're asking your bullpen to come in earlier than they need to be, and they can't, and they've been terrible. Um, and so that's where the Dodgers find themselves. And sometimes it's poor hitting, too. I mean, the Dodgers had um, some close games there where they just could not uh, get a hit or get the extra run that they needed. Um, but still, if you're up 8-3 as the Dodgers were against the Reds in the fifth inning, that used to be game over for this team in the last, I would say, five straight years, or at least going back to at least uh, 2020, maybe even 2019. Um, the bullpens were just better, and they're just not this year. I mean, the ineffective guys like Bickford, Phil Bickford, Alex Vesia, um, guys who were helpful in the last few years just aren't there. Blake Trinan is still hurt. Um, I forgot one of the other guys that they're getting back um, soon um, from his injury, but you know, stuff like that where it's just, these guys just aren't effective and it's put the Dodgers uh, in a bit of a hole here. Now, I did want to talk about on the bright side, one pitcher that has been amazing, and that's Bobby Miller. Bobby Miller uh, was not part of the original um, starting staff at the beginning of the season. He's actually the Dodgers' top pitching prospect uh, who was in AAA, and because of all these injuries and ineffectiveness of starters, they've actually brought him up. And in his four starts, he's a 24-year-old right-handed pitcher. He's got a 3-0 and uh, record with a 0.78 um, ERA. He's struck out 
23 batters and only allowed uh, 12 hits. And I believe he's gone at least to the seventh inning in every single game he's pitched. Um, it's just remarkable. The, reading this off of an article from uh, MLB doc, uh, MLB.com, um, says here that no other pitcher in AL or NL history has matched these totals in their first four games. So, I mean, it looks like the, the Dodgers have a stud um, in Bobby Miller, and it's pretty awesome. I mean, it's only been four games, but he's been one of these guys that's sort of uh, sustained um, the Dodgers when they've needed him. Um, he was drafted 29th overall in the 2020 draft. He's considered uh, MLB dot com 19th overall prospect all of major league baseball uh you know 23 k's i mentioned that but that was in 23 innings so he's basically good for uh a strike an inning he's sitting anywhere between 97 and 99 for most innings at a time i mean he's sitting that's what the amazing part is his stuff is so electric he doesn't have to rear back and bring it for a batter or an inning he's literally just sitting there and i guess when he does rear it back um to really throw it's like a bb out there because he's throwing 100 miles per hour and he's getting whiffs uh he also has a great change up and a slider in the upper 80s that's keeping guys off balance and it's pretty amazing because when he was in the minors at least in triple a before he was called up he had four starts 5.56 era in triple a at oklahoma city now i'll give you this the little I know about Dodger AAA baseball, <clears throat> one of the things is they play in the Pacific Coast League, and one of the things about the PCL, um, they do play a lot of games in like up, uh, above sea level um, cities. Uh, I think Oklahoma City is above sea level, and what I mean is obviously the th- air gets thinner, but they play like Albuquerque, they play Colorado Springs, so some of these starts I'm sure had to do. Um, I'm sure had to do. Uh, with facing basically hitter-friendly ballparks. Um, But also, I mean, overall, his minor league career, he's 4-4-3 ERA at the top two levels of the minors. That would be double-A and triple-A. But somehow in the major leagues, he's he's just dealing it, and he's not worried about who he's facing. And it's not like he's played, I mean, the three teams he's been in was the Phillies, the Atlanta Braves, and I forget what the other team was, but the team he couldn't beat or didn't beat, and that was in his fault, just that he got no run support, was the New York Yankees. So you're talking about the Yankees, the Braves, the defending nationally champion Philadelphia Phillies. It might have been the Reds was the other start. I can't remember. You know, you're talking about three top lineups, and he just w- went through them. He's got a 42.6% whiff rate on his slider, meaning guys are swinging and missing, and 35% on his changeup. I mean, that's that's pretty... Amazing. And he throws a curveball. He doesn't throw it as much. He throws it 9.9% of the times, but he's getting a whiff rate on that too, which suggests that <clears throat> when he throws his stuff, um, Major League Bader, uh, major league batters are missing. Um, and that might be from not being familiar but it, uh, with him because, again, it's only four starts. But at the same time, it's modern era. They can look at his minor league stuff easily and bring it up. Um, it's just electric. If you watch him pitch, his stuff is just electric. The ball's going all over the place. It's not easy to um, keep an eye on, and it's pretty good. Um, so he's been a um, sort of bright spot for this um, for this pitching staff. Um, hopefully, because again, this is a guy 24 years old. Once you get to the majors, you know it might be too much to ask him to pitch. 30 times this start 30 times this year and sustain what he's doing <clears throat> but i'm hoping he st- remains one of the bright spots and certainly i hope he's good enough that he stays um uh i hope he stays on the roster they don't send him back to AAA, and that maybe in october we'll have some crazy rookie bobby miller moments i know that's asking for a lot but it just might be what the dodgers need because their pitching staff is just all over the place um and they might need him at the very least, maybe they can, you know, once they figure out their starting rotation, I mean, because there are moves to be made, they can always move some of their other prospects for a major league pitcher, put them in the bullpen. I mean, the one thing the Dodgers don't have are guys who throw 100 miles per hour in the bullpen, and the one guy that they do have that throws that fa- that fast with that kind of velocity is Bruce Dar-Gradrall, 
and he's terrible, and he doesn't get strikeouts. He doesn't strike out guys. Guys are always hitting his stuff. Um, sometimes it's soft, but it, it, it's good enough to get through, and uh, he's one of the reasons the Dodgers are struggling in, in terms of having a, an effective bullpen this year. So, yeah, Bobby Miller is a bright spot for the Dodgers, and it also goes to show you just what they can do with their – I mean, he was the 30th pick, did I say, in the in the draft? Uh, 29th pick in the draft. It's what they can do, whether they have a first-round draft pick or not. I mean, the guy pitching tonight, um, uh, Tony Gonsolin, he was not a first-round draft pick, and he's been a starter with the team here and there. He was an all-star last year. He's part of that World Series run in 2020. So, you know, I trusted uh, that. When I'm comparing the Dodgers and the Lakers, uh, yeah, I trust the Dodgers front office and their brain trust more than I trust the Lakers in terms of doing what they need in order to improve um and uh, doing well. Uh, on, and speaking of just doing what they need in order to improve, I mean, can you not say enough? One other person you cannot say enough about um, for the Dodgers this year, at least being in a bright spot, um, and certainly being one of those guys that's helped the team at least um, sustain some uh, good baseball at times, and even keeping them close to the Arizona Diamondbacks is J.D. Martinez. Uh, remember, uh, they signed J.D. Martinez on, you know, in baseball what would be considered like a, a veteran minimum. It was only a year for, I believe, $10 million, and then it's $15 million with incentives. Um, and he's a MVP favorite at the moment, or he could be considered one, in my opinion, um, in the National League. I mean, he's leading the league in slugging. Um, he's probably the second best hitter on the team um, in terms of what he's doing um behind uh, Freddie Freeman uh you know he's a DH so he's he's that's what he's there for he's supposed to be hitting um but you know I'm sure a lot of people weren't thinking that this that that's what they were getting when they got JD Martinez especially when you're talking about he was brought in basically to be DH replace Justin Turner um <clears throat> And yet here we are. He's leading the team in home runs, slugging percentage, had some big um, hits for them. Um, so another bright spot, obviously, you know, if you're not talking about guys like Will Smith, uh, 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 Mookie Betts, Freddie Freeman, guys who were already there um, that we were ex- expecting big things from. But J.D. Martinez was certainly not somebody that, even despite having the past um uh, all-star seasons with teams like uh uh the Diamondbacks and um and the Red Sox uh he's been really really good for the Dodgers um and to get him on just uh, a one-year deal um yeah 10 million dollars for two millions with incentives when Justin Turner was asking for 2 million uh, two years um it's pretty good so um so yeah that's another big spot um you know, he's 35, hit 16 home runs, 926 OPS, uh, a 141 OPS plus. That's way, that's all-star level, folks, those numbers. And it's so, uh, so it'll be interesting if he can sustain that for the rest of the year. And if he does, then the Dodgers will be in a good spot, you know, because one of the things with them is uh, once October comes, uh, real easy to, you know, turn off the flame when it comes to their hitting. Um, and that's been one of their big struggles um these last few years but if jd martinez is hitting like this in october then you know might might be good for their chances you know might be good for their chances to uh contend for a world series title so uh yeah bobby miller jd martinez two big bright spots for the dodgers so far this year as other guys uh struggle on the team um i think that's enough for me um jake's gonna freak out when i tell him it's four i've i went 48 minutes here but i had a lot to discuss and i wanted to and if it was jake and i we probably would have gone this long too talking about these topics um i'm going to a dodger game tonight um because we're not podcasting so i'm going to go see them play in person which will be fun i haven't been in a game since april somehow um, partially because I don't think I want to spend the money these days, <laughs> frankly, tickets are kind of crazy. Um, they're not what they used to be, but, um, yeah, um, I get to go tonight. I'm looking forward to it. They're playing the White Sox, uh, which is kind of weird because, well, it's, I know that the Major League Baseball changed their whole schedule situation where everybody plays everybody now, but, but, um, uh, 
Um, the reason it's weird is just because you don't see the White Sox very often, obviously. <laughs> um, playing the Dodgers, it's sort of a novelty still these days. Um, uh, I think I saw them play each other once back in 2017. Actually, I did um, watch them play. It was, I want to say it was you Darvish's first game as a Dodgers starter, I think, at Dodger Stadium. He had started on the road up to that point after they signed him. Um, and it ended in a Yasiel Puig walk-off. And I believe it was his first walk-off hit for the Dodgers ever. And that was back in 2017. He'd been with the team since 2013. Um, so, uh, again, you know, when you go see the Dodgers play a team from Chicago, it's usually the Cubs, and it's a ton of people from Chicago going out to see them. So it'll be interesting to watch them play the the uh, the White Sox. And for them to be coming home, they were on the road. Um uh, to sort of right the ship a little bit, um, I'm hoping that they that they do. Uh, the White Sox starting pitcher is Lance Lynn. He's got a 6.72 ERA, and like I said, it's Tony Gonsolin versus Lance Lynn tonight, um, righty against righty. So hopefully the Dodgers um, step it up because they kind of need to. You don't want to fall into too much of a hole um, because yeah, you'll get to the postseason, but you you know you're going to be behind everybody. It'll be just like in 2021 where. You know, because of the way MLB is, they were they were in second in the West, uh, even though they won 100 and what three games, um, and they didn't get to start any any series uh, at home. One because they had to play the 104 win Giants in the NLDS, which is just stupid. Um, and then when they played the Braves in the NLCS, because the Braves won their division, the Dodgers were uh, starting on the road, and that probably hurt them uh, more than most people are willing to admit in that series, especially since they got walked off. Uh, in both game one and game two. So, yeah, the Dodgers definitely, you know, they had home field advantage last year in the NLDS, didn't help them. But I don't know. Uh, I feel like I feel like it's it's uh, different for all sorts of things. Uh, for, all, for all sorts of things in Major League Baseball postseason. It's so weird. But, um, yeah, hopefully they get off to a better home start than they did on the road this this uh, last uh, road trip and uh, I'll be there so you'll definitely see me posting on Twitter again that's champs pop 1015 um you'll see me posting on there about the game I'm sure and um yeah in the coming weeks of course be back with Jake talking about all things LA sports especially when there's breaking news regarding the Dodgers offseason uh, excuse me, the Lakers off season, um, and soon to be the Kings off season. They've they've been off, but the the that series might end tonight um, in terms of the Stanley Cup series. And then again, kind of like baseball, then you got the draft, and then you get into free agency and moves and things like that. So it'll be interesting. A lot of stuff going along, uh, going around during the summer as these uh, winter sports end, and then of course uh, you know before we get into the fall, and it's my favorite time of year. It's you know. October postseason, baseball, college football, football in full swing. You got the beginnings of hockey and basketball all over again. So, all those things coming up, and Jake and I will be discussing all those things uh, with you. So again, listen to the What's Brewing Network, where you get the What's Brewing Symposium, the bare minimum, and of course us here on West Coast Bias. So as we say always, we're the West Coast, we're the best coast, we're West Coast Bias. West Coast Bias, dude, bro. We play some ball on the West Coast.